All right, so did anybody notice the onions that we had out? Yeah, they look delicious. Would you like to have one? Would you like to, are you sure? Would you, would you like to try one? No, you don't want to try one? Man, why not? These look so delicious. You know, last, last night, Gene and uh, Chris were doing the chocolate. They were dipping it in sprinkles and everything, and it just looked so delicious. Man, that's really awful. <laughs> Who would eat an onion like this? <coughs> Nobody, no, I'm okay. Nobody would, right? An onion is not the, the main dish. It's not what you're going to have for dinner. It's awesome when it's part of the dish, right? When it's an ingredient, like in our secret sauce that we've been talking about for the last <laughs> three weeks. It's great, right? And you know what's really funny is that the night that we made the secret sauce, we tried it and it, it tasted okay, but it was a little bland. But the next morning, after it had sat overnight in the fridge, man, the onion just really brought all the flavors out. How many of you guys took home sauce or liked, liked the sauce that first week? I know, yeah, there's several, several hands going up. That sauce was really good. And you know what the onion really brought to that? It just brought a tasty, beautiful flavor. That's what the onion, onion brought. So today we're going to be talking about onion, and the next ingredient is one tablespoon of onion for our secret sauce. All right, I am so thankful that I didn't have to eat that onion. Boy, it smells terrible up here. That's crazy. So if you're joining us for the first time today, or if you're back after being away, we've been talking about this secret sauce as a metaphor for what makes Christians irresistible, what makes connectors irresistible. And, uh, and we're using McDonald's secret sauce as a metaphor, and we've been giving you one uh, ingredient in the recipe uh, e each week. And you have to come all six weeks to get the whole recipe, and I'm certain that all of you will be making secret sauce by the time this is over. And, uh, and so today, like Bob said, is onions. And in the same way that the flavor of the onion permeated that secret sauce that we served you a few weeks ago, uh, it's, it, there, there is an important quality that needs to permeate our lives as Christ followers if we are going to be irresistible. And, uh, and this is the thing. If we're going to be on mission if we're going to really help people reconnect to God, we need to be those irresistible Christians that can help people understand how irresistible Jesus is. And you know what? Jesus really was irresistible. There's, there's a couple of verses in John chapter 1 that describe Jesus in such a beautiful way. And they say this, the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. What are you saying, Chrissy? There are notes in the back. Do you guys need notes? What are you trying to say to me? Okay. You know, when my wife speaks, I listen. I don't know what the heck she's trying to say, but I was listening. <laughs> okay. All right. So what I want you to know today is that Jesus was full of two things. 
Jesus, according to John chapter 1, and it says it in a couple of places, Jesus was full of grace and he was full of truth. And I want you to really think about this with me this morning. The, the Bible says that Jesus was full of both of these things, grace and truth. It doesn't say that Jesus was a perfect balance of grace and truth. It doesn't say that Jesus um, was always the truth or that he was always the grace. Jesus was always led of the Spirit, and he was full of both grace and truth. And what's interesting is, as you read the stories of Jesus in the New Testament, there's sometimes that he uses the hammer of truth. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? And there's other times he's this gentle giant of grace. And it's not like he was a balance of grace and truth. He was led of the Spirit to be sometimes all one and sometimes all, all the other. But he was full of grace and truth. And Jesus was irresistible. But sometimes I think Christians feel like we have to pick one or the other. Like we have to pick truth or we have to pick grace. And, uh, and there's some Christians that pick truth. And they feel like they just have to point out every error that every other person has in their life. Do you know that Christian? Will knows that Christian. I do too. I remember years ago there was a radio show that was on here in Great Falls when I lived here. And uh, I don't remember even what the radio show was called. But that radio show was all built around criticizing other pastors around the United States and pointing out their flaws and their errors. And that... That radio show was somebody who had picked truth, and he was full of truth, but there was almost no grace. But there's other Christians who decide they're going to pick grace, and they decide that truth isn't particularly important, and obeying God is just so Old Testament, and all we see is freedom in Christ, and it's grace, 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 grace. And I've known that, have you known that Christian, Will? I have too, right? And, um, and the problem is, is if we pick grace or truth, we become completely out of sync with who Jesus is because Jesus was full of both grace and truth. And picking one or the other is liking, like eating an onion like an apple. It's not very appetizing. But when our lives are seasoned with grace and truth and we're full of grace and truth, we become irresistible. If you're taking notes this morning, here's a couple of things you can write down. Christians who are all truth come off as harsh. And Christians who are all grace come off as anemic. And so if we're going to be more like Jesus, full of grace, full of truth, we have to really understand some things. And what I want to talk about today is understanding really what grace is. I want to talk about how we can be irresistible by becoming grace givers. It's easy to use the hammer of truth. For some reason, there's a challenge in really becoming grace givers as Christians. So let's talk about grace this morning. And I want to start with talking about what grace isn't. I feel like I'm really tall up here. You guys, is your neck sore? No? Okay. Okay, I think your stage here is taller than mine in Bozeman. Let's talk about what grace isn't, because this will help us understand what grace is a little bit better. Grace isn't 
pretending that evil doesn't exist. Sometimes we can misunderstand what grace is and we just, we just pretend that there's nothing wrong in the world. That isn't grace. That's, that's stupidity, really. Grace isn't acting like sin doesn't matter because that would be grace and no truth, right? Grace isn't saying that what you did was okay. That's grace without truth. And grace isn't looking the other way when people do wicked things. None of those things are grace. So I want to give you a really good working definition of what grace is that can help us understand Jesus, but also can help us be great grace givers. Here's the definition I want to share with you today. Grace is when I get what I need instead of what I deserve. I want you to think about this with me. Grace is when I get what I need instead of what I deserve. A couple of weeks ago in Bozeman, we, uh, we had our Plunge Fest celebration, and I think you did too. Was, did you do it two weeks ago, just like us? Yeah. And so um, we, we love baptizing people in water, and we make a big party. You guys do too. And um, on, when, when our Plunge Fest was over, at the very end of the service, I had this connector come up to me. Her name is Shane. And she came up to me, and she said, Pastor Russ, and she was really afraid to talk to me. She said, Pastor Russ, my sister Kelsey signed up to be baptized, and nobody called her. And her feelings were really hurt. And I'm like, oh, no, what in the world happened? Because I knew this woman wanted to be baptized. So I, I went and talked to Pastor Jeff, and I said, Jeff, did you call Kelsey? And he said, well, yes, I tried to call Kelsey. But I, I texted her, I called her, I emailed her, everything, and everything bounced back. All of her information in our database is wrong. And Jeff didn't know that Kelsey's sister was Shane, so he hadn't connected the dots. So Kelsey had just fallen through the cracks, and she didn't get water baptized, and now her feelings were really hurt. Well, when we did a little investigating, we found out that when Kelsey had signed up to be baptized on a connection card, she'd also given us all of her new information, but the people that were doing the data entry had overlooked all of the updated address, telephone, all that kind of stuff. So Jeff was calling from old information that was no longer relevant. And we were just sick in our hearts because every once in a while when something like this happens and people get hurt, you know, you know how it is. They get offended and they're like, Connect is dumb and they don't care about me and they only like the pretty people. You know, you know and that, that, that happens, right? And, uh, and so I'm just thinking, man, we real, I've, I was feeling terrible. So Jeff called Kelsey up and he explained to her what happened, that we had overlooked her, her updated information. And you know what Kelsey did? She said, you know what, I understand. That's okay. Can I be baptized anyway? And it was awesome. Because you know what? Here's the truth. We were so disorganized, we deserved her anger. And we probably deserved for her to just reject us and walk away. Because we blew it. But what we needed from her was forgiveness. And she gave us her forgiveness. So we kept the water in the baptismal tank. And Sonny put a little chlorine in there just to make sure nothing was growing. And last Sunday, we baptized Kelly all by herself, and we celebrated. We bought her a cake, and it was awesome. And that's what Grace did. We needed forgiveness, and she extended forgiveness and grace instead of giving us what we deserved. So um, that's what Grace Grace is when I get what I need instead of what I deserve. Now, truth tells me, that because I've sinned, 
Because I have fallen short of God's standards, I deserve punishment. That's what truth tells me. You and I deserve God's punishment or God's wrath. But instead of what we deserve, God in his grace gives us what we need. And today I want to share with you three things that each of us needs. And I hope that in the process uh, we'll be motivated to share with other people what they need as well. All right, here we go. Number one, instead of punishment, what we need is love. We deserve punishment, but what we need is love. Jesus is so full of grace. We see stories all through the New Testament about Jesus and how he loved people beautifully. One of them is in John chapter 11. Um, I, I love this story. There was a family that lived in the little town of Bethany that was very close to Jesus. Three siblings. Their names were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, um, and, and you might remember the story about Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Mary was a lover, right? And she just loved to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn. And Martha was a doer. She liked to cook for Jesus. She liked to make sure that the bathroom was scrubbed clean. And they would get in these little bickering matches, you know, in front of Jesus. You know, Jesus, tell Mary that she needs to help me clean the, you know, they do this little bickering thing, you know. And here they are serving the son of the living God, right, Jesus. And, and I, I can imagine that Jesus must have gotten a little tired of the bickering sisters, you know, and I'm, I'm using my imagination a little bit here. But what was cool is to see how gently Jesus treated these two sisters, even though they really deserved a little bit of correction. Maybe some other Christian leaders would have given them a little correction. Jesus just loved on this family. And Mary and Martha had a brother whose name was Lazarus. And um, the story in John 11 is, is told that Lazarus died and Jesus got word that Lazarus had passed away. And so he went a very long distance out of his way, and actually he was putting his life in danger by coming close to Jerusalem, but he had to get to Lazarus, and he had to get to Mary and Martha. This story is so beautiful because we see the compassionate heart of Jesus. And he gets to Bethany, and even though he could have just said the word, we know the power of Jesus, he could have said the word and raised Lazarus from the dead, or he could have said the word and healed Lazarus from a distance, but instead he went to this little town, Bethany, and he got there, and I want to pick it up, I think this is up on the screen, um, I want to pick it up in verse 33. He came to Mary and Martha, and it, it, it says, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her were also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. This is one of the things I love about Jesus is his, his deep heart of love. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then these two words that are so beautiful, Jesus wept. Jesus didn't have to go to Bethany. He could have raised Lazarus from the dead in any number of ways. But he went and he shared in the pain and the sorrow of these grieving sisters. 
And to such a degree that even the Jews said, see how Jesus loved him. You see, these weren't perfect people. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they weren't perfect. And just like you and I, they sinned. They made mistakes. But Jesus looked beyond their failures and he saw what they needed and he reached out to them with love. They needed love. Jesus loves you and me in the same way. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I want to ask you this question. Who do you know who needs love? Maybe somebody that really deserves um, your correction or maybe um, isn't worthy of love, but who do you know who is crying out for somebody to love them? Can you be a grace giver like Jesus? The second thing that Jesus knows that every person needs is this, number two on your notes, we need forgiveness. Jesus is full of grace, and instead of punishment, Jesus offers us forgiveness. We've told this story many times in the last couple of years. The story in John chapter 8, there was a woman who was caught, the Bible says, in the very act of adultery. I've always wondered how that worked, you know, how, I mean, somebody was so, they were, they were the hammer of truth that they were monitoring somebody's private space and caught this woman in a very uncomfortable position. And they brought her to Jesus and, and they threw her down in the dirt in front of him. In fact, I think, uh, go ahead and go, yeah, there's a picture here. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, I imagine what this must have been like for this poor woman who was just thrown at the feet of Jesus. And they said, Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. What are you going to do with her? The law says she deserves punishment. The law says she should be stoned to death. And what Jesus did is he, he, he looked at all of these Pharisees and he said, whichever one of you has never sinned, you can be the first one to throw a stone. Then he, he, he kneeled down and he began writing in the dirt. Nobody knows what he was writing in the dirt. But I, I kind of wonder if maybe he was writing in the dirt the names of the women those Pharisees had been sleeping with other than their wives. Something happened in that dirt that caused every single one of those Pharisees to turn and walk away. And then Jesus said this. It's up on the screen. He said to this woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Now go and stop sinning. Such a beautiful model of how we can offer forgiveness to people who need forgiveness instead of the judgment that we feel like we deserve. Sometimes we just hammer people with truth. Jesus could have said, well, you know, you really blew it this time, Lydia, I don't know what her name was. He could have said, you know, I'm so tired of your behavior, Lydia. Yeah, I'll forgive you, but you really got to clean it up, sister. 
I mean, Jesus' response could have been so different, but do you see his compassion? He didn't hammer her with truth because what she needed, her need, was forgiveness. And so what I want to ask you today is, do you know somebody that needs forgiveness? That's what their need is. And and it's not like they need one more sermon because they've heard a lot of them. They know exactly what you think of their behavior. They haven't forgotten, but what they need is forgiveness. Can we, can we be the secret sauce that helps people find Jesus irresistible? What we need is love. What we need is forgiveness. There's one more thing that we sometimes need. This one's the hard one. Number three, sometimes we need discipline instead of punishment now um i'm going to read a verse to you that nobody likes that's in the bible okay i mean we all love the bible right but this is one of those verses that isn't very fun but i'll unpack it in a little bit hebrews 12 says this as you endure this divine discipline remember that god is treating you as his own children I lost my place sorry is there more is that all no go back one slide would you please is that Jerry back there Jerry you're awesome is there a slide before that that one okay well we got something out of order Go to, the, go to the next slide after that one. I think we got these in, in the wrong order. Go to the next one. There you go. This is, this is actually verse 6. We got these two slides out of order. Um, Hebrews 12, 6 says this. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastises each one he accepts as his child. This is why I'm saying nobody likes this verse, okay? Because this is tough, right? The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastises each one he accepts as his child. Okay, now those of you who have children, you know that sometimes your children need discipline, right? How many of you are parents? Okay, okay, L- lots of people in this room. And you know, Melinda, you're laughing back there. Your kids don't need d- discipline, do they? <laughs> and, and, and if you're a parent, you know that sometimes when your emotions get involved, okay, stay with me. You know how this works. Will, you're laughing. I know you know how this works, okay? When your emotions get involved, don't you just want to knock them all the way to Timbuktu, okay? And, and you really do. And, and sometimes, guys, we deserve punishment, but instead of punishment, God gives us discipline. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, nothing good happens when we as parents just knock our kids across the room. Nothing good happens in that place. So instead of punishing them harshly and retaliating against them, we bring discipline. And, and here's the difference. Do you know what the root word of discipline is? Disciple. Have you ever thought about this? The root word of discipline is disciple. And what discipline does is it shapes good behavior. And that's what God does for us. So if you're taking notes, jot these things down. Discipline helps me do better in the future while punishment seeks revenge. Secondly, discipline gives me hope. Punishment 
gives me despair. And then thirdly, discipline says, you are worthy of my investment, while punishment says, get out of my sight. Do you understand the difference between punishment and discipline? Discipline is a beautiful thing. And Hebrews 6, 7, now Jerry, can you go back to that one that was in the wrong place? There we go. Hebrews 12, 7 says, as you endure God's divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. This is what's beautiful about God's discipline is that God is treating you as his children because he wants what's best for you. He doesn't punish us. He removes punishment from us, but he makes us into disciples by bringing consequences that guide our behavior. Sometimes when we suffer because of bad behavior, sometimes it helps us remember, I'm not going to do that again. Anybody been there ever before? Not going to do that again. That's discipline. So the question I have for you is, who do you know that maybe deserves your anger, deserves punishment, but could be discipled by you instead? Who is that person? What I want you to remember is that grace is when I get what I need instead of what I deserve. So the question that we're probably all asking ourselves, I know I'm asking this question, is how can we be full of grace in our lives? You know, when I'm tempted to be the hammer of truth, the something that we need to ask ourselves is what does this person need? in any relationship that you're in. What, what is the need that this person has? You know, maybe your husband or wife does that one thing that just drives you crazy. Or maybe you have a coworker who's living a lifestyle that's really contrary to what the Bible teaches. I remember this one Air Force guy years ago he came to know Jesus as his personal Savior, and man, we say on fire, right? He was on fire for the Lord. But, but do you know what he did? He went, he went back to work, and he insisted that no one swear in the office, in the workplace. Uh, he was just being the, the Christian hammer, right? He was just trying to hammer people so that they would change their behavior to comply with what, what he wanted them to do in their lives. You know, I have a friend of mine who was just telling me this story uh, not, not too long ago. She's involved in a, in a challenging situation, a challenging relationship. Um, her niece uh, has been sleeping around with four or five different men all at the same time. And it, it's difficult because she doesn't want to come off uh, as being judgmental or condemning or, or anything like that because really what my friend wants to do is point her niece to Jesus so that she understands the love and grace and mercy that, that Jesus can give. So she's kind of she's torn. She knows that her niece understands that what she's doing is wrong. Right? She hasn't forgotten that sleeping around with four or five different partners is, is something you shouldn't do. But there she is in this in, in this difficult situation of, you know, how do I handle this 
how, how do I reach out to her? And her niece knows that, that what she's doing is, is wrong because she started cutting herself. She started drinking heavily. And, and she just started overeating, and, and she's, she's gained a lot of weight. R- really, what she's doing is, is she's just making herself miserable. And, and she's really disliking her own self through everything that she's involved with in her life. The problem is, is that she d- just doesn't feel love from anyone at all. She is lacking in love. That's her need is love. And so what my friend has decided to do is that very thing. She's decided to lavish her niece with love and just be there for her. And then when the time is right, I'm sure that her niece is going to reach out and then she's going to be in a great position to say, you know, Jesus is full of love and Jesus will meet your needs right where you're at and the things that you're struggling with, he will be there and he will meet your need of love because she has shown Jesus to her niece through her loving her niece. Man, I just, I want each one of us connectors to be irresistible. We've been talking about that recently is, is being irresistible, to be an irresistible Christian. And that's what the secret sauce illustration has been all about is how how can we be irresistible? I want each one of us to be irresistible. So the question that I have for myself and for each one of us is, is how can we be grace givers? How can we look at those relationships that are in our lives that, man, we just want to straighten them out? How can we look at those relationships and say, you know what, what is their need? What is their need? And how can I meet that need of love? Or maybe it's overlooking a wrong. (laughs) Whatever it is in the different relationship that you are involved in, let's be grace givers instead of being the hammer of truth. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you so much for how it helps shape and mold us into, into the irresistible Christians that you want us to be. And God, as we're thinking about that, as we're thinking about these relationships in our lives, I would just, I pray for myself as well. I I pray that you would show us, Lord, how to be grace givers. How how to take the time to see the needs that are in the lives of those people that are around us and and help meet those needs by, by granting grace. The same way that you have granted each one of us grace, Lord, in our lives. I pray for each one of us here. But God, I know that uh, maybe some of us have not received the grace that you extend through your son, Jesus. And so as we're about in your presence, as we're thinking about granting grace, God, I would pray for those that need the grace that only comes from you. And so if that's you, I, I would just ask you, as we're about in his presence, just slip up your hand real quick. I, w- I want to remember you in prayer as we pray for God's grace to be granted to us. Thank you. Thank you. God, you are so full of grace, regardless of what past we have in our lives. You grant us grace, God. And so I, 
as I pray this out, repeat this after me, each, each one of us, everyone, just repeat this. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're my Savior. You died for my sins. Take my sins away, Lord. Help me in my life. Guide my future steps. I thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and your sacrifice. Change my life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.